Welcome to the Professor's Podcast, where we discuss the best strategies to massively improve the reach and bottom line of your business in the current virtual and economic landscape. Your host, Howard Tai, generates over $5 billion for his clients annually using innovative tactics both on and off Amazon. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Professor's Podcast. I'm, as usual, the host, Hurricane Liz, and I'm here with two gentlemen. Obviously, you know the first one, that is Howie, the man, the myth, the legend, the professor of Amazon, and a special guest, which we're going to introduce shortly. But Howie, I know this guest, you met him in the trenches in China. So uh, what a find, I've got to say. I heard the story. I know I've heard all that, that happened, but... How did you happen to find this guy deep in the trenches of China? Tell us a little bit more about him and why he stood out to you in terms of being able to deliver to your audience a pretty epic speech, I'm imagining. So it's like, I think it was like three years ago or more, but uh, let's say 2017, where I was interested in what he had to say because he, he was talking about Kickstarter, a crowdfunding. So, so it was kind of really interested in it because I kind of wanted, always wanted to see how, how we could bring from a, from crowd, from like a crowdfunding uh, platform to onto Amazon and to grow it further on. So that was one, something that I really wanted to accomplish, which I think I will be able to talk about it with Don here so that we can actually make sure that people that are actually don't have any money won't have any money to be from a crowdfund, crowd, crowdfunding kind of platform like Kickstarter and would transfer themselves to Amazon and be able to, from Amazon, grow their company, grow their brand to another level. So that is something that is very interesting if we can uh, get that uh, started with done. Absolutely. Awesome. And I'm going to introduce him in just a minute here. But let me say this much. Don will be one of 12 underground speakers that usually don't speak they usually don't say too much but they are experts in the field that we brought them in to speak about and this guy's been underground for a very long time and he's going to be speaking at the second ever annual professors pandemic event which will be held on november 9th and 10th and if you want to learn more about that stick around till the end of this actual podcast to hear where you can find out more but without further ado let me go ahead and introduce this gentleman his name is don wilder and this at least is a name I don't know I haven't told Don this but I've become known as the butcher of Amazon because I butcher everybody's name who comes on this actual podcast but I think yours is pretty straightforward I don't think I butchered it I almost did there because I overthought but I finally got one right but Don you want to tell people uh, let's go ahead and just jump into straight into the actual interview I want you to pretend that you are on an elevator with Howie, the man, the myth, the legend, as I call him, and you want to give him a two-minute elevator pitch on who you are and why you're qualified to speak at his pandemic event. Sure thing. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, so I'm I'm an Idaho boy, uh, based you know originally in in the U.S. And then in 2010, I made tracks to go to China, and started working in the product development field, and then focused in on crowdfunding because it's it's a great way to launch physical product into the market. And I did a few campaigns with, with some really good success early on in about 2013, uh, about the time the platform was really growing. And then from there, I kind of leveraged uh, success. And there were some other Chinese uh, hardware companies that wanted the same service done. So I transitioned and did a, quite a bit of consulting, working primarily with Chinese hardware startups 
helping them see success on, on Kickstarter and launching, you know, hardware, physical products in space and accessing the, the Western market. So yes, to date, I mean, I've done over $2 million of fundraising on Kickstarter, you know, a few dozen campaigns and some of the campaigns that are far into the six figures and, you know, a few of them have been my own just personal projects too. So, you know, going from ideation all the way through product development, all the way to you know, launching the product and then um, getting it onto the market. That's amazing there. Howie, I know that you said that Don, you, you met him in a restaurant. Is that correct? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was something we, we went to meet up at some is it Italian restaurant in uh, Nansan in San Yeah, yeah. Um, I brought my wife. He brought his his girl. I believe at the time. I'm not sure what is a wife yet, but and then another guy. I forgot. Uh, there was another guy there too. And then we kind of talked. And it was uh, at first I was like, "Wow, this guy is really interesting. He has tatted up a full body tat. You know, yeah, it's hard. It's not very usually we don't see that in San often, But he's one of the special ones." So, uh, yeah, that's how I met him, and, and it was pretty interesting that uh, we talked about a lot of his, his expertise. I think it was it was doing a belt back then or something like that when he... Yeah, that's belt. right. So, yeah. so the first campaign that I launched was a, a slider belt, right? So the little backstory was uh, a friend of mine was the first of us, uh, like um, American expats in Guangzhou that went to Kickstarter with with the product that he he, you know, pretty much was able to find in the markets, did a little bit of development around it, but not much. Launched it on Kickstarter and raised close to $400,000 uh, for a brand of watches, right? So when the, the few of us saw that, we're like, wow, this is an interesting thing. You know, you know tell us more of how this works. So from there, yeah, I, I jumped in. I, I kind of modeled what Ryan did with his project, Original Grain, and I decided to launch my own brand of uh, men's fashion slider belts that didn't have any, you know, belt, belt holes in them. And a 30-day campaign that raised over 120,000 USD and uh, was, was a big success. And at that point, I put, you know, no marketing dollars into the project either, just all organic traffic that, that drove those, those backing, you know, pre-sales. So the platform has definitely changed a lot since then. And I've gone from doing some fashion products into like design and tech and, and some other categories on Kickstarter. So it's, it's kind of a different space now. And I, I had a call podcast with Michael Michelini a few weeks ago, just discussing the differences between the platforms from, you know, early on in 2010, all the way up to 2020 over this past decade. But, but yeah, man, really there's a lot of synergy and I'm looking forward to being able to speak at your event just because it's what I see in, the space of, of physical product, you know, developing products for Amazon or e-commerce store, there really isn't, isn't a better way out there that I know of to get a product into the market, mitigating as much risk as possible as there is in crowdfunding, right? So some, some people may be listening to this podcast and they're not too familiar with what crowdfunding is all about. And um, to kind of break it down in a nutshell, there's a few different types of crowdfunding platforms out there. The three main types, you've got charity crowdfunding. So sites like GoFundMe uh, is a big one, and it's, it's just a charitable donation. Maybe someone in the community, a family member gets cancer, and they want to try to raise money. 
So they'll post a campaign online to try to pull in charitable donations, right? And then there's another kind, which is equity crowdfunding. And that's for companies that have a business or a product that they want to get out in the market. But in order to raise funds, they're giving up a chunk of equity in their, in their company, right? But the cool thing about Kickstarter and Indiegogo, these are the third kind. It's called um, reward-based crowdfunding. And uh, yes, it's, so for the past decade, this, this reward-based crowdfunding has taken off because you're no longer giving up equity in a company like a traditional form of fundraising from the bank or from investors, uh, you're actually just putting it in a form of offering a reward to your supporters. So like I did the belt campaign, you know, one Eastwood slider belt was $65, right? So if someone gave $65 during that campaign, we hit our funding goal of 15,000. The campaign's a success. We collect all of the, the funds, then we take the funds, we go out and manufacture, and we send it to the backers. So it's a huge win. Um, as not, we're not having to give up equity. We're able to successfully raise funds and then use that, the funds to manufacture the goods. So it, you know, compared to the traditional route of, of launching a product, there's, there's huge ways to mitigate that risk and have to give up equity in your company. Yeah, um, like you said, it uh, helps mitigate the risk. Where from a, a person who doesn't have any like cash too much, like let's say if you were gonna raise a hundred thousand dollars for your next product la- product on a Kickstarter, then you you'll be able to like make sure that the product is actually proven by the people who actually back you up. Then you'll know that hey, that's a good product, and you can then launch it further through like uh, Amazon and whatnot, where you have this, um, now we have this profit and profit margin from the, from the first uh, launch, then you can actually now use that profit to go on to the next uh, level where Amazon's uh, platform and, and maybe Shopify after that. So I think it's a good way for a lot of the people who are interested in launching and yeah. into the offer space without spending money. But um, can you explain us how much you think people would need in order for to start something like this, like a crowdfunding kind of campaign? Yeah, I think it really, there's a wide spectrum and it comes down to the goals that the, the company or the creators have in mind. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? Do they just want to get an opening order with their factory in order to cover production costs and, you know, tooling? without having to pocket all that upfront, because, you know, maybe if you're developing a, a electronic product, there's a lot of you know, steel injection molds uh, that can get really expensive, right? So being able to offset that with a crowdfund can really help support the, the launch. But, you know, it, it, it's a hard answer to say exactly, but if you're looking to raise less than six figures in a crowdfunding campaign, then you might come to the campaign with around you know five to ten thousand dollars of budget preparing to create your, your marketing assets, your video, doing all the graphics on the page, having a little bit of a budget for, for driving traffic. The big thing right now with crowdfunding camp campaigns is just like maybe Amazon or some other sites, it's become more saturated, right? There's more people that know about it and more people doing it. Uh, so in order to have success you actually need to drive traffic from outside of the campaign because there's limited amount of organic traffic. Like 
when I launched my belt campaign in 2013, seven years ago, I didn't have to drive traffic. There was tons of organic traffic going to the, the page, but now most successful campaigns will drive over half of the traffic, right? So that, that means for creators coming to the, the campaign with a mindset that you're going to need to drive traffic through uh, some sort of a strategy. And most of the time it's through Facebook ads. So having a little bit of a budget to drive paid advertising to your Kickstarter campaign, right, is, is something that's important. So if you're, if you're looking to try to raise maybe 100,000 USD, then having, you know, anticipating a budget of about 10,000 just for driving traffic is important you're going to have a positive ROI, right? So depending on, on what your price points is, but that's, that's a misconception that people have, to be honest, is that they're like, they think that it doesn't cost anything uh, to be able to raise tons of money on crowdfunding. And that's, that's not the case. It still takes some money, but it's still a better option than the traditional route of just you know, pushing in tons of capital to produce the product and get it over to the market and then just see how it does uh, to see if it can actually get traction or, or, or you know, proof of concept. Crowdfunding, you can get all of that really valuable data up front. You can get those pre-sales that come in. You can even get feedback from, from these early adopters. And then after the crowdfunding is over, as you mentioned, you can leverage that, that momentum from backers to launch on Amazon. And with that, that exposure and with that support, you know, your, your Kickstarter backers could be the, the early reviewers on your Amazon listing, right? Uh, so it really is a good combination. And Amazon has even gone so far as to support Kickstarter and, and some other crowdfunding and accelerators uh, programs like Y Combinator. And they've opened up Amazon Launchpad. So as a successful Kickstarter creator, you could take your product and, and also get it into the Amazon Launchpad program where they do additional support on, on your campaign listing, give you more, more um, exposure. And I think they, they have a few additional tools that they'll give to Amazon sellers that go through that program. So there's some cool stuff as far as the, the combination between e-commerce, Amazon, and then crowdfunding. Right. And you know, uh, Don, you've already covered a lot of, a lot of ground. I mean, you really kind of informed us a, a ton of information, but I'd like to know what three to five topics have you thought about actually presenting at the actual professor's pandemic event? Um, other than what you talked about, have you actually thought about what you would share or uh, what kind of exciting topics that you think people would actually uh, feel that's really relevant to Amazon? Yeah, you bet. You bet. Well, I think one in particular that I would love to dive into deep, and I think it, it would um, be something people would want to learn about, is really the, the connection between launching physical products using Kickstarter and, and pushing them over to Amazon. Uh, there's been, you know, a, a, a lot of campaigns that have gone through Kickstarter and, and then done extremely well on Amazon. And, you know, like one, one in particular is a game that you guys may have played or known about called Cards Against Humanity, right? Now, what people don't know is that was actually a Kickstarter product. That, that went to Kickstarter in about 2014 or 15, a group of high school uh, friends, they, they put together uh, a model of apples to apples, but with an adult spin on it, and they called it Cards Against Humanity. They raised about $15,000 on Kickstarter, not really that much, right? But they've launched the product on Amazon, and it's a fun game, a lot of word of mouth. And if you look now on Amazon, the, they've got almost 50,000 five-star reviews, right? 
Like they are, they are a powerhouse and they're, they're in the seven figures every month. You know, usually around Christmas, they'll jump up to four or five million in gross sales on Amazon. And it all started from a simple little crowdfund, right? But, but there's, there's tons of companies like that. So that, that's one of the, the things I'd like to talk about. Another thing is uh, data-driven design. Because of Amazon and some other um, tools that you can kind of get into the back end through Jungle Scout or through Helium 10, you can really see what products are doing well on Amazon, right? And um, learning how to take that data and go to Kickstarter and kind of improve designs that can work well with Kickstarter. So data-driven design, just being able to go through deep research, use crowdfunding to launch and get over to an Amazon or an e-commerce store is something I think that, that sellers could really utilize. Okay, so I just want to also uh, ask you, uh, what do you see people are having problems now for, for crowdfunding in 2020? Yeah, well, I think there's, there's a few areas. One in particular is with crowdfunding, uh, a lot of people don't know where, where the right place to put the money. Like if you're going to spend money to, to set up a crowdfunding campaign, it's maybe like be similar to Amazon where there's a lot of black hats that happens, right? So a lot of uh, companies that will front saying, oh, we can help you uh, with your crowdfunding campaign. We can, we can do all these different services. We can drive traffic. And, and it's, it's really a lot of scams. So as a new creator, it's hard to know really to the, the best way to utilize your budget to get the, the maximum effects, right? So that's one of the, the areas that's a challenge in 2020, again, because it's so saturated. But another thing is really just learning how to connect with the, you could say more of like the organic audience on Kickstarter. So, you know, Kickstarter has brought in, you know, every month they have around 26 million visits to their site. Uh, so they have heavy traffic that goes there and they've got a lot of supporting backers. But, you know, it's a community, just like any community, there's going to be certain things, expectations within the community that, that if you're coming from the outside and you don't understand this, you may not have as successful of a raise as what you would like. So, you know, last year I launched my first game on Kickstarter and I had seen a lot of successful games go through Kickstarter. I'm like, all right, I have this idea, so I did it. And it was one of the toughest categories that I've ever funded in, right? Like most category, categories at one time are going to have around 200 live funding projects, but the games category, tabletop games especially, had over 500, right? So you're competing, if you're on stage, moving from 200 contestants to, to over 500, it's, it's hard to stay at the top. Uh, but within that, that community, there's a lot of like, you could say gatekeepers. So my game was around improv. So I went out and I started looking for a celebrity improv comedians and, and actors and, and coaches. And that really wasn't the, the ideal uh, spokesperson for the campaign, right? So the backers would see that, but they, they weren't really moved by it as much as a few gatekeepers that are, are commonly reviewing Kickstarter games. So a few guys that have small blogs where they post, you know, upcoming Kickstarter or reviewing live Kickstarter campaigns, et cetera. So um, that's one of the things that I would, I would uh, say it's a challenge. Guys come into crowdfunding, they don't really realize what the community is all about and what moves it. So they don't, they don't see the maximum amount of success there. How about in other words, uh, what about the opportunities in 2020 for these uh, crowdfunding? Uh, what do you see uh, for the people who are interested in getting into, into it? Yeah, well, again, I mean, I, what, I, what I'm really interested in is 
seeing now because of all of the data that people can access online and utilizing that to build kind of a, a better better product right so you can you can see what types of products are doing well on crowdfunding and you can also see the type of products that are doing well on, on Amazon or on Shopify and um, just connecting the dots right so I think there's tons of opportunity. Another thing too is a lot of this tech, traditional tech is slowly moving into an IOT format, right? So I've seen, I've seen kind of shifts in, in, in basic products that are, whether it's analog that turn into digital, right? Or there's a combination of something that uses an app. So like a water bottle that somehow can track your water intake using an app. Now there's a, uh, a lot of that stuff in the market that I feel like that uh, as creators, if you look closely, you can see it. Like a lot of it's coming out of Shenzhen too, right? So there's, there's definitely opportunities there. I wanted to ask one question. Before you, you notice like, I'm not sure about right now, but before we noticed like a lot of people who had like a lot of Kickstarter um, campaigns and stuff, they put on there and a lot of Chinese manufacturer or whatnot would copy it and, and try to, you know, start selling yeah. and stuff. What do you see? Yeah. Right? What's the trend that you can tell us about what happened before and now regarding these, these Chinese factories that are trying to copy these products? Yeah. Well, you know, I've seen it go both ways, to be honest. I've seen a heavy amount of creators that are scouting, so to speak, when they go to conventions like the Canton Fair or whatever, and they'll lift product and they will they will say it's theirs, right? So it's an OEM brand that they're they're coming to a crowdfunding site, which is technically isn't allowed, but they get away with it, right? Harder to do, a little harder to do now than than what it was before. But but on the reverse side, yeah, like Chinese manufacturers and companies will will look on Kickstarter for innovative products that they're going to copy, manufacture. And most of the time, they don't have the reach to get into the markets that the creators do, like the Western market, U.S. or U.K. So they just sell domestically. And there's a third, there's a third way that um, I've seen it happen is the, there's, there's contracts that are set up with manufacturers. So, you know, one campaign that just finished on Kickstarter was called o Oyo. It was a fitness product. It almost looked like a Bowflex, like a reinvented Bowflex it's a V shape and it's got a hinge and, and anyway, um, you could do home workouts with it. It raised, I think, four million USD on Kickstarter, and they sell it for on Amazon for around 150 USD. Right? Kickstarter was was little, it was over 100, and that product with the branding, Oyo branding, it sells on on uh, Taobao for twenty dollars. Right? And I don't know if it's the manufacturer that's selling under the table or if they made an agreement with the creators that they could, they could sell at whatever you know, they want to sell at to the domestic market since that's not the, the creator's focus. I don't know. But, but there, is, there is a lot of you know, space between these two, these two countries or, or you know, two vast markets, whether it's the Chinese market and Western markets. So I think learning as a creator to be a bit just aware of what's going on if it is an important product that has some high IP, um, both patenting it in China and then in your in your you know focused markets is an important thing, because patents in China it's not that expensive to be honest, right? Compared to other markets, so so yeah, I mean one of my good friends, I'll, I'll give you just a quick story. He crowdfunded a really innovative um, product. It was it was a, a mat that you put next to your bed, like a rug, 
and it had a built-in alarm clock. So the only way you could actually shut off the alarm clock was standing on the mat, right? And um, he raised over 400,000 USD on Kickstarter. And then I was surprised, I was in China and I'm looking on Taobao, which they have a crowdfunding platform as well. And I'm seeing Winston's product on, on the Taobao site. So I, I message him, I'm like, Winston, why did you, why did you launch your product in China? Like I was, I was a bit surprised and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't launch, I didn't launch anything in China. And immediately I realized it was either his manufacturer or some other manufacturer that saw his product, but his IP was so low, it was easy to copy. And they rolled it out um, at a faster uh, production schedule than what Winston had, right? So the thing was, you know, they couldn't access the Western market. Winston had that settled. So he did really well on Amazon. He did well on Shopify. You know, he was doing six figures a month and he just decided not to sweat it. Like there's some things as a, as a creator that you can control, other things you can't. So um, not trying to spend your energy where it's not you know, necessarily needed is important, I think. Right. And we're about to wrap it up here, uh, Don, but I wanted to ask you one last question. What do you see most people do wrong on these actual kickstarting platforms? Good question. Yeah. I mean, I could, I think I could unpack quite a bit there, but you know, Kickstarter, it is again, a, a community and they, they like to hear stories about the, the process of innovation and the process of development and the reasons why it's important. Right. So it's different than like a sales page. And I see, I see creators that go to crowdfunding and they're just putting a very traditional like sales pitch out there and it doesn't gel that well, right? So that, that's one of the things that I see is, is an issue. Another thing is that, you know, Kickstarter, it is, very, it is a very design centric type of a, a site. So a lot of, of these early birds, you know, like early adopters are, you could say mid to high income, you know, white collar and into tech and fashion and design. So even on the sites, products that are more design like centered, right? So they've got a lot of very strong visuals and good creative assets, good videos. Uh, they tend to do much, much better than sites that are, are campaigns that kind of just go on the low ball on the budgeting for the video and such. So uh, again, there's some things that creators I see they they major in the minors on things that's not important. They push money where it's not not really necessarily useful. And then they there's others that, that do the opposite. They you know they they groom the the creatives really well, and um, they build out a community before they launch. So, so there's certain things like that that can really give the campaigns a lot of extra support through the the community when they do things right. Yeah, awesome, Don. Well, you you cover a lot of a lot of information there. That was all hardly even aware that that existed. I've been selling on Amazon for a long time, but kind of opened my eyes to a whole new realm of possibilities. I, for one, am super excited to hear what your talk is going to be at the second ever Professor's Pandemic event, which I'm about to give you guys details on here in a second. But Howie, what did you think? I mean, was Don awesome or what? Well, if he's not awesome, I wouldn't be having him on, right? I always ha I always have questions regarding Kickstarter because it's something that I'm very interested in and uh, wanted to more know more about the how it all works out, what's the integrated part of getting a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign as well. Be uh, before before we for my one of my last questions, I wanted to ask um so for marketing wise, you said it's mainly now since it's uh, on the you need more than just uh, organic sales or organic traffic. Yeah, organic traffic. Yeah. traffic. 
One of the external traffic you were saying, what is it, which is Facebook. Is there any other external traffic that is getting sales besides Facebook that you see people are doing? Yeah, well, I mean, Facebook is kind of the, the main channel for driving since you can get quite focused on your audience and, you know, with pixeling. But I see that, that YouTube and some, some Google uh, advertisements can be of use. But overall, the, you know, for the, the ROI, uh, usually Facebook ads is the best. I want to say, how about like, do you ever see people do like PRs and does the PR mm-hmm. with influencers help a lot have you seen like a lot of campaigns where influencers uh, yeah. push up that get that particular kickstarter campaign yeah yeah for sure and it depends on the 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 product right so influencer marketing can work with crowdfunding it's usually not something that people creators will focus on a lot there's there's some companies if like if they're trying to have a really big raise they'll hire a traditional PR company that they're, you know, they're going to be writing to journalists and media and tech blogs to try to get featured. That, that process, it takes a lot longer and it's a bit more manually tiresome, right? Because when you drive Facebook ads, you could drive a huge audience fairly quickly within a week or two weeks, right? But if you're doing traditional PR, connecting with journalists and you know, all these different gatekeepers, it, it can be it can be a tough one. So that's why traditional PR companies they exist. So creators don't have to do all that, you know, manually. But uh, yeah, that that is a, that is an approach for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome, amazing. Thanks so much, Don, for joining us. We really appreciate it. I'm I'm fired up to hear what you're going to say at the event. And uh, Howie, as usual, thank you for hosting us. Again, if you guys want to find out more information, the last time I butchered the link, again, going back to the butcher of Amazon, it is howardtie.com forward slash PPE2. So the number two at the end of that, not spelled out, just the number. To find out more information on the second ever annual Professor's Pandemic event, which will be held November 9th and 10th from the luxury and comfort of your own home. So as I always tell people, you can show up bottomless, you can show up topless. We're not going to see you on screen if you don't want to be seen. Show up however in the heck you want. It's howardtie.com forward slash PPE2. And again, no worries. You can chill in the comfort of your own home and listen in as 12 to 13 experts from around the world are going to tell you about the latest strategies and tactics and what is working on Amazon. And as Don just talked about off of Amazon too. So if you're ready to hear about all this new technology that's available for Amazon, or as Don spoke about things that have been around since 2012, I think, I think he said he started in 2013, but this is an area of expertise that he's known now for over seven years of learning and implementing and consulting with really big brands raised over $2 million. He will be one of the many. Howie, any last words before we sign off here? Um, I'm sorry. I don't have any other things to say. A man, a few words, as we usually say, a man, a few words and few emotions. But when it comes down to it, he's fired up to also present his presentation. So I can't wait to hear what that's going to be about. We will reveal that in a future podcast. But again, Don, thank you so much. And thank you so much for everyone out there for tuning in. We'll see you on the next podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Don. Welcome to the Professor's Podcast, where we discuss the best strategies to massively improve the reach and bottom line of your business in the current virtual and economic landscape. Your host, Howard Tai, generates over $5 billion for his clients annually using innovative tactics both on and off Amazon.